From the San Diego Convention Center in San Diego, California, it's the ASN Kinney Week 2015 podcast, a discussion of the latest scientific and clinical advances presented at this year's meeting. ASN thanks Opco Renal for its support of this podcast. Welcome to the first day podcast from ASN Kidney Week 2015. I'm Jonathan Himmelfarb. Uh, I'm the uh, director of the Kidney Research Institute at the University of Washington, and I'm the president of the American Society of Nephrology this year. And I'm Ben Humphreys, and I am chief of the Division of Nephrology at Washington University in St. Louis. I'm Shirley Leon. I'm a second-year nephrology fellow at SUNY Downstate in Brooklyn. I'm also an ASN policy fellow, and I must mention that I'm also a social media um, person for NEFJC. And my name's Amit Garg. Uh, I've been a member of the ASN for the last 15 years. Actually, I practice in London, Ontario, Canada, where I'm a nephrologist and a professor of epidemiology and biostatistics, and I'm also the incoming president of the Canadian Society of Nephrology. Well, today is the first day of Kidney Week. Have you been to any sessions that you've really enjoyed? What has really stood out to you so far, and what are you looking forward to? This morning, I went to the poster sessions, because I have some friends, co-fellows, that are presenting some posters. So one was from LIJ. He was looking at the rate of readmission for our patients with end-stage renal disease, so that was very interesting. I'm looking forward to this afternoon to attend end-of-life talk. It's um, patient-centered care in the elderly, from palliative to transportation. Is this your first time at uh, Kidney Week? It's my very first time. I'm really excited. Fantastic. That's great. It's great to have you here. Well, one of the things that I always enjoy about the first day of ASN is having my itinerary and trying to get to the session and running into so many old friends and colleagues and folks I was in fellowship with and catching up. And when I think back to my first ASN in 1992, it's really an international community, which is something that you'll find, I think, that the social aspect is something that's really special within nephrology, in addition to the incredible scientific advances um, that are fun to take part in. I find the same thing. Even though it's a meeting with 13,000 registrants, it still always feels like nephrology is still a small community. (laughs) And the networking that takes place and just the meeting up with people, the social interactions during the meeting are a lot of fun. It's, It's certainly enjoyable. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. You have to pace yourself because you'll meet so many interesting people <laughs> when you're going to one event for another. This has been now 15 years that I've come to the ASN every year, and it's always extremely well organized. And this morning I went to the session where how do we get more people transplanted, more of our patients transplanted, and it's a whole science. All the barriers, uh, enablers to help someone get from the point of developing kidney failure, which is an unfortunate event, ultimately getting a transplant is a whole scientific enterprise and um, the talks this morning were first rate really to, to break that down and where we can be helping our patients at the different steps along the process. I always try during kidney week to go to sessions that are not sort of the norm for me that are not in the areas that I feel like I have some expert knowledge in but to learn something new so usually I'll look through the program and kind of pick an area that I feel I know almost nothing about and try to attend a bunch of sessions to learn something. Yeah, I thought one of the 
things that was very thought-provoking and I want to ask you about Dr. Himmelfarb is in your address, the presidential address, the notion of getting away from using CKD stages and focusing on what the underlying disease is. I think it's it's a sort of refreshing reminder in a way that uh, that if we lump everybody together with CKD, it's possible to forget that there are probably a dozen different underlying diagnoses that we haven't, in some cases, even discovered yet. But I think it's also controversial. I suspect it may turn out to be controversial. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to make a, a distinction between the value of the estimated glomerular filtration rate and conceptualizing stages around that for epidemiologic purposes. For example, in the plenary talk by Chris Murray, he really use, uses the estimated glomerular filtration rate to understand the burden of kidney disease throughout the world. And without doubt, there has been value in the last uh, 10 to 15 years uh, from an epidemiologic standpoint. And clearly, from a population survey, population management standpoint, there's value in understanding uh, the relationship of glomerular filtration rate uh, to complications and albuminuria to complications. And certainly, it has value for sort of um, identifying someone who's at risk or identifying someone who has a particular uh, kidney disease. I, I do think the pendulum has swung relatively far from using this classification system for those purposes to really trying to oversimplify care for a complex patient population. And my concern is that both from a clinical standpoint and perhaps from a research standpoint, uh, this classification system has held us back. When it comes to, for example, with the NIH, uh, the chronic renal insufficiency cohort study or the CKD biomarkers consortium, the uh, utility of lumping all different diseases together and thinking that we're going to come up with better risk predictors, better biomarkers, and better therapeutics, I think has been held back, whereas we will be more successful in the future, perhaps if we focus on really understanding the mechanisms by which different diseases have, have heterogeneous clinical presentations and pathological processes. I think we've gotten away from kidney biopsy a little bit too. Mm -hmm. by, it, it becomes the, uh, the default position is simply to say someone has CKD stage two or three and that's the end of the story. It should be the beginning of the story, not the end of the story. You know, when I sometimes work in the clinics and fellows go to see a patient and they come back and they say, I have a patient with CKD stage three, you know, the response is, no, you really don't. You have a patient with diabetes mellitus for 20 years and the following presentation and the following loss of function and the following other comorbidities. And I think it ha we've gotten away from that and I think uh, perhaps the pendulum has to swing back to really thinking about developing new diagnostics, new risk predictors, and especially new therapeutics for individual diseases. Well, I agree, and I think about oncology, for example, where 20 years ago, all cancer diagnoses were made looking at a light 
microscopic slide by histology. And you look at cancer diagnosis today, and indeed you look at oncologists and how they're divided up, each even within the lung, in, into whether they treat uh, EGF receptor positive mutation patients or negative, uh, small cell, non-small cell. And so what used to be one diagnosis of lung cancer is now six or seven, each with completely different treatments. Now, we're obviously a long way off from that, but I do agree that if we just say CKD3 or CKD4, that notion that there may be different underlying diseases with different treatments might be lower than in the forefront of our mind where, where maybe it, it should be. Not to take anything away from you know the power of epidemiology, which we saw from uh, the Murray talk this morning. I agree with you also when you were saying you know how we're lumping everything together, or even how we as fellows or residents are approaching the patient. I think you know we have to look at the whole patient and, the, and work through all you know the diagnosis, and not just be quick to say this is what's going on and this is the path you're going you're going to go down. Um, also, what you mentioned about the research, I just learned about the CR, CRIC program and the biomarkers, I never knew about that. And I think that other opportunities for residents and fellows who are interested in research to you know, get involved. I really uh, wanted to emphasize that quote from Sir William Osler, that the good physician treats the disease, the great physician treats the patient with the disease. And I do think that is an area where this classification system, sometimes we're not thinking about the patient with the disease. And also, a, a diminished GFR, which is the basis for the CKD classification system, may or may not be a disease. So it's, it's really a condition, and it may be of diminished glomerular filtration rate, and that may be a physiological condition, especially with aging, uh, or it may be a pathophysiological condition, but it's, not, it's certainly not a disease entity, at least as I think of a disease. There may be diseases that are causing this condition, uh, but then we should get to the root of the diseases and treat the diseases uh, in, in order to treat the patient in the best way. And then the other dimension, epismenia is also, in a way, that's still a physiologic construct. And right. at this meeting, we have a lot of interesting things about how patients function, how they feel, and so, in the morning sessions, we were talking about frailty and talking about, uh, you're talking about the evening and the afternoon session about palliative care. And really, it's um, having been practicing nephrology now 15 years, there's so many complex psychological, emotional, stressful considerations in this practice that uh, it's really nice that this meeting also highlights those dimensions of care very well and uh, how we can do better. Combining our understanding of physiology, which is incredibly important, along with things that resonate well with patients and our families and how to really get them through some very difficult times sometimes. Well, and, and it makes me think of the use of technology and bringing, um, bringing technology into care for patients, whether it's a dipstick that patients can do at home that is hooked to their uh, mobile device. Uh, you mentioned the remote medical center, centers that are centralized over the internet or whether it's uh, care plans and emails. And, you know, I think it's an incredible time. I, you know, from my perspective, to be a trainee now in nephrology, I think is really exciting because I think you're going to witness 
incredible changes in the way that we care for patients for the better. Um, looking at, you know, not just management of blood pressure or uh, lipids, but strength, sleeping well, uh, uh, making sure folks are productive, like, get, getting them educated about opportunities in transplant. Like living well. Right. Helping people living well till the, till the end. Which is what it's all about. <laughs> I also think the technology will uh, increase patient autonomy in devising their own care. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine that five years from now or ten years from now, uh, if you're a patient, you will go to a physician's office or to a clinic to get a blood test. And often that's half the reason now people have physician's visits is to get a blood test and then the results aren't available during your meeting with your caretakers and the conversation is always about the blood test from six months ago and then you're always six months behind. Uh, it's hard to imagine that we won't have point of care tests in the home uh, with the ability to transmit the results uh, either uh, certainly by some kind of electronic media, probably through some kind of cloud system. So it goes to your physician. And so if you are going to see your physician, it's for a specific reason, and the results of the tests are known at the time, or you're monitoring yourself, your own clinical course, and uh, perhaps relating that to your physical activity, to your diet, to how you feel, what your symptoms are. And it, it should change the dialogue and I think make it, uh, in many ways, more fun to be a physician going forward. You know, another thing that I was really struck by this morning at the plenary session was um, the statistic from Dr. Murray that the global CKD deaths, which are already considerable, are going to increase by fourfold in the next 25 years. So this is a huge problem. And another, you know, opportunity for the young people who are entering into our field who are interested in global health and the problems that we face with kidney disease internationally, uh, I think there's a tremendous potential to have an impact. Uh, we actually spoke about that today at the diversity and inclusion lunch, you know, not only globally, but even just within the U.S., um, the rate of you know chronic kidney disease is really increasing, and we have areas that are very un underserved. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mostly underrepresented. You know, areas like the South. So we're talking about ways too where we can, you know, um, make an impact, and that's with recruitment. You know, in the field of nephrology, um, having innovation. We were talking about that this morning too in your in your president's address. You know, like how dialysis it's great, but we you know we've been doing it for so long. We have to find ways to better serve our um, patients. Yeah, that was one of the themes also this morning, the session I was in. And um, in addition to geographic disparities that are challenges for renal care, you're also describing ethnic uh, disparities and also describing um, work in particularly Native Americans and how um, particularly access to transplant being waitlisted, having good outcomes after transplant are challenges that uh, this community has to rise to, to help segments of the population do as well as they can. So again, it was very well presented information this morning to really help us emphasize the points of where we need to go.
Early, I know you have an interest in public policy. You're an intern now on the American Society of Nephrology Public Policy Board. What were your thoughts when you heard uh, Dr. Maurice talk about the global burden of disease from a, what, what were your thoughts from a policy standpoint? Yeah, we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, a lot of work to do, but that is one of my interests too. You know, as you know, is um, patient education, advocacy, and we've been doing a lot of work this year with that. But, um, for example, I'm from Haiti, and you know, there's like maybe one nephrologist in the whole country, and so we know, you know, other, you know, some countries are um, affected, but even here in the U.S., like I said, I think we have to educate, and I always joke about it. I think we need to rebrand nephrology or rebrand the kidney, and like have it, you know, have the public and the lead person really understand the importance of the kidney and make the association of hypertension, diabetes, and kidney disease. Well, I thought George Lopez told a really interesting story related exactly to that rebranding point, which was before his transplant, he didn't want to be known for having kidney disease and didn't want to talk about it or have any publicity surrounding it. And then he experienced this remarkable transformation in his health and sense of well-being and decided to really devote his uh, self to actually the reverse, to publicizing and rebranding it in a way. And, and I think that was an inspirational kind of a message, but it also reflects some of the challenges within the public sphere that we have to overcome. So I guess we're just starting out. There's a whole host of new interesting sessions coming up over the next few days. I'm looking uh, very much forward to the late-breaking clinical trials, um, which is always interesting. Um, there's some very interesting talks also that I flagged tomorrow, but again, it's the issue. You see so many people along the way, you've got to choose right. what you really want to go to because there's so many um, wonderful offerings that you can attend. I've always felt that the Kidney Week is a successful meeting if it's like a five-ring circus where you want to you want to be in five different places at once, at all times, where there's multiple things that you would like to be at, multiple presentations, multiple people to meet, and you can't possibly do it all. That means that it's a successful meeting if it's designed in such a way that there's always something going on that's always of interest for a very diverse membership that we have uh, within the ASN. Well, that's good to know, because I, I was thinking, maybe it's because it's my first time, but I'm like, I can't be at four places at once. I wouldn't right. be everywhere, so. Right. It can be very overwhelming. I think the first time people certainly went, the first time I went to Kidney Week, and you see thousands, literally thousands of poster presentations, and you have hundreds of talks to choose from, uh, it is overwhelming in a sense. You get a real uh, feeling for the depth and the breadth of nephrology. But I'm sure you've already found just in the first day that everybody is so willing to share their you know, whether it's their poster or after they give a talk, if you come and approach them, you know, that, am I right, that, that people love to share what they are working on and, and find out what you're doing? No, you are very right. And even when I learned about the public policy opportunity, you know, I think ASN is the best <laughs> organization, um, you know, because it's patient-centered, you know, um, and as a group, you know, like you said, we come together and we were, you were, I think someone was mentioning that, you know, people they train with, it's like a reunion type of feeling, you know, so it's, I look forward to that too.
You have been listening to the ASN Kinney Week 2015 podcast. ASN thanks Opco Renal for its support of this podcast. This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology. All rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. This podcast should not be used in a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. Please consult your doctor or other qualified healthcare provider if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drug, changing your diet, or commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast of the American Society of Nephrology.